Hello, and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy, and we are so delighted to be here on now Friday, uh, Friday, May the 22nd of 2020, as we conclude our week. What a week that we have had this week, my brothers, um, Brother Marty, Brother Fernando, Brother Jeremiah. Yesterday, we completed a four-part series on the fourth man in the fire. And I believe that uh, we were able to glean some tremendous insight and revelation on, on, on this story. At least I've never ever studied it in this way, the way we studied it this week. But it, I think it's appropriate that hidden within that story is a, is a, was a, is and was a, um, a, um, a parallel to what we are heading, where we are heading into right now. But this Friday, I know God has something fresh for us. I believe there is a word for us here today, and I believe that you are going to be blessed. Uh, continue to pray for this podcast. Pray for us. Uh, continue to help us spread the word and tell others what, what God is showing you and introduce them to these podcasts. I believe that it will do them good to to hear, especially those that are searching in this hour. As always, it is a pleasure to be here with the panel Um Brother Fernando, Brother Marty, and uh, Brother Jeremiah, it's always a pleasure to open up the Word of God today in this hour and to be able to do it together. Brother Marty, I'll leave you uh, for you to share what God has placed in your heart as we study the Word today. Amen. We're going to uh, begin a new thought today. I don't know if uh, if it'll go on into next week. As the Lord leads, it will. Uh, or if not, he'll show us something else. So either way, we're rejoicing in the word today. But I felt stirred yeah. by the Lord a few days ago as we were studying in the book of Daniel um, to talk about some things that I think that we need to understand, <clears throat> all of us, even in just a practical way, really, um, what it means to uh, to understand the plan of God for our life and, and what it is that God is actually <laughs> Uh, attempting to reveal to us uh, in many different and varying ways. And so that led me to uh, something I felt the Spirit of the Lord was, was wanting us to discuss, which we're going to find in uh, in the epistle or the letter that uh, the Apostle Peter wrote. And so if you have your Bibles, uh, please open them, please, to the uh, the, the book of, of 1 Peter. And we're going to begin with chapter 1. I'm going to read three um, verses here, and then we'll get into it. And Brother Jeremy, could you have uh, Jeremiah uh, chapter 1 ready? Because uh, I'm going to have you read something from there in, in a little bit, Lord willing, if it heads that way. But um, yes. let's begin here, and, and let me let me just read these three verses. Father, we ask your blessing on the reading of your word. First yes. uh, Peter chapter 1, verse 1, it begins, Peter an apostle of Jesus Christ to the strangers which are scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ grace unto you, and peace be multiplied. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Can you say amen? Amen. 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 <laughs> Powerful. Amen. So we want to discuss some things today and and I don't know how far we'll get into this, but really what I'm what we're headed to is verse nine where Peter says that we will receive the end of our faith, which is the salvation of our souls. You know, it's interesting to me that Peter and I'm please guys jump in anytime you want. Uh the Apostle Peter is writing this this letter um at a time of of great persecution that's begun to break forth on the on the church and it shows here in verse one that he's writing to people that have been scattered uh hmm. throughout the different regions and we know from the book of acts that when stephen was stoned for his faith and for um and for his testimony in the lord that it caused a great persecution to come upon the church and, and the church was scattered and and so when we pick up this letter, it's somewhere around 64 AD in the first century. Things in the world had changed in a great way. The Lord had already returned to heaven. The apostles had seen him go on in Acts chapter 1, and and they were told at that point that they had work to do. They were to go into all the world and preach the gospel. They waited for the for the presence of the Holy Spirit to come on the day of Pentecost and and the church was born, but after the persecution of Stephen, like we said, that the church was scattered throughout throughout the regions, and and this is who who Peter is writing to somewhere around 64 A.D. And why this is important is because <clears throat> by that time uh, a very wicked uh, Caesar had come to power by the name of Nero, who had blamed the Christians uh, for the burning of Rome. When in fact, history tells us that it was Nero who actually burnt Rome down because he wanted to rebuild it and make it greater and, and be dedicated to his own glory. So as a scapegoat for the fire that broke out in Rome, he blamed the Christians. And so a time of persecution came upon the church. And it was something that began to really cause the people of that time, the early church, many of them, to come under some heavy scrutiny uh, amongst the, you know, their communities. But more than that, individually, they began to, some of them began to wonder, what is going on here? You know, they were, <laughs> they, they were waiting for this Jesus to come back. And now it just seems like all hell is broken loose all over the world. And if we believe in this Jesus, we're starting to, to go through some things. We're starting to experience some things. And so, it began to really shake their faith. It began to really cause them to question whether the thing that they were believing in was true or, or, or was false. And and, and it, this is the occasion that we find Peter writing this letter. I find it interesting what he says in chapter 4, verse 12. Can you read that, Brother Jeremy? Chapter 4, verse 12? Of um, first, first Peter, right? First Peter. Yes. Okay. It says... Behold, excuse me, behold, beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial 
which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. So that was, that's what Peter was trying to tell them, because many were questioning what is going on here. You know, they weren't yet fully understanding all that was yet to unfold. You know, many were looking for the appearing of the Lord in that first century, and, and yet the apostles and the holy prophets had revealed that there was much that was yet to transpire over the ensuing generations, that God had a plan, God was doing something. But it's interesting what he says, don't think it's strange uh, concerning this fiery trial. And, and what Brother Jeremy just read there, he said, which is going to try you. This has been ordained, basically. And he says, I don't want you to think it's some weird thing that's occurring as if God is out of, uh, is, isn't in control. And, and it's not like some weird or un, unsuspecting thing has come upon you. Like, like all of a sudden the events of the day have, have crowded in around you and have begun to press upon you. And this is the heart of what's in the Apostle Peter's, um, you know, thinking as, as he's moved by the Holy Spirit to write these things. And so let's go back to chapter 1, verse 1, and, and get an understanding of now when he starts writing, how he begins to address the church and, and why he addresses the churches as the way he does. The first thing he wants us to understand in verse 1, he says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers. And, and this is an in, this is an important thing to understand as we go forward in the next couple of verses and examine our thoughts for today. Is first and foremost, he wants them to understand, like it is told us in Hebrews chapter eleven, right, that they were strangers and pilgrims. Yes. Yes. And so he he addresses them, and I just want to talk about this for a second because. Remember what we talked about. They're they're up under persecution. They're they're going through some very very intense things, and he wants them to understand who they really are, and he wants them to begin to think of themselves in that way. That even though they have been scattered throughout the earth, throughout the world at this point, and and to whom he's writing in those particular regions, that he wants them to understand, which can really only be revealed. Uh, by the Spirit, which he goes on to talk about, but that we as as believers, that we are not of this world. The word strangers literally means aliens, you know, uh, mm-hmm. uh, not of Foreigner. foreigners, right? Which is an interesting phrase because it seems to imply that that what he wants to communicate to us is that we actually once we were born again, we became uh, like ambassadors, if you will, or or as if we were in a strange land, right. in a circumstance or in a reality that 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 he wants us to understand why uh, and what and 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 to whom uh, we belong and why we belong to him and to what it is that we need to understand. Uh, is causing uh, these situations in the earth. And he says, first and foremost, you need to understand that your position as a, as an, a distinct and individual um, spirit, soul, is that you must begin to reflect upon yourself as if you've come from another land and you are existing 
in a different territory that is not your home. And so he begins to try to cause us to understand right off the bat that that the reason you're being persecuted is because you're a stranger. You're not from here. (laughs) Okay. Help me here. you're, You're not from here. It's easy to say that, right? But what I'm trying and what I sense by the Spirit and what, what I've been feeling of the Spirit is, is God is preparing his church, even as he did in the early church, and, and trying to get us to allow his Spirit to reveal to us the exact nature and quality of what and who we really are. It's almost as if we're waking up out of amnesia and that Mm -hmm. we have forgotten where we actually came from and and it has this kind of idea when when he when he uses the word stranger and he wants us to see something go over there to jeremiah 1 verse 5 because it has that same kind of feeling it's what god's trying to communicate through through peter right here are you there brother jeremy yes i am before i formed the yeah, wait. Okay. Yeah, wait a minute. In Jeremiah one verse five, he's he's getting ready to tell Jeremiah something, and in let's start with verse four, and because Jeremiah says this happened to him, and listen to what God tells him. Go ahead, brother. Four and five. Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee, and before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. And I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. So this kind of thing that Jeremiah is revealing right here is the same kind of the essence of what Peter's trying to communicate to us. Notice what God tells Jeremiah, something really profound. He says, before you were in your mother's belly, I knew you. So before you became, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, the baby growing in your mother's womb, he tries to cause Jeremiah to understand something about the real essence of who he is and, and that he was known of God. And, and this, is the, this is the conundrum or the, one of the mysteries, if you will, of life, of existence. And what the Bible in many places begins to reveal to us as we come to Christ and we become born again. That's why he goes on in verse uh, uh, 3 when he says, Blessed be the God and Father who has begotten us again. And we'll dig into that a little bit. It's It's this sense of understanding that we existed with God in some form, whereas it... Our essence, our spirit, kind of like what David said. Remember what David said when he said, all my members are written in your book, right? Before as ever there was one formed, he says in the Psalms, I was recorded in a book, so to speak, of God, that each and every individual soul has interacted with with the Godhead, with Elohim, with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, way before I ever existed in the earth. And that's what he's trying to tell Jeremiah here, because he wants him to know I had an intimate relationship with you, Jeremiah, 
before I ever put you in your mother's womb, and before you ever came out of that womb, once you were formed in it, you were separated by me for a particular purpose, and that's to be a prophet unto the nation. So when we go back to Peter 1.1, when he addresses us as strangers, he's wanting to give us that same kind of sense that God gave to Jeremiah. And that is that when you came alive in Christ, the real you born from above, you need to understand that you are, you are in essence a foreigner on a foreign land in a foreign circumstance. And I want you to understand that, he says, because of what's coming, which is what we quoted earlier. Don't think it weird that you're going through this fiery trial. And in their case, in their circumstance, in the first century, up under great persecution, he wants them to understand that though the circumstances of the immediate culture that's persecuting you or the circumstances that you're living under in this first century, he's trying to get them to understand that it is not the end of things or it will not be the end of things. And that the reason particularly that these events are coming upon them is precisely because they're no longer of the world and they need to view themselves as citizens of a faraway land which we'll get into in a second, which is what he begins to reveal. And so he starts the tone of what he's about to tell them by telling them, you're not only strangers in Galatia and Cappadocia and Asia and Bithynia, but you're strangers to the whole world. Because the truth of the matter is, he's telling them, is that when the born-again spirit came into you and meshed with your soul, in essence, you were completed by God and have come from God. And because of this, you're experiencing these trials because you're a foreigner in a foreign land. But he goes on and he says this. He goes, that's why he uses this word elect, right? Can you read that in verse 2, Brother Jeremy? Yes. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you, and peace be multiplied. So what he reveals there in verse 2 is, is the act or the active engagement of, of the Holy Trinity, of God. Because he notice who he mentions in order. He mentions God the Father, right? You're elect by God the Father through the sanctification of the Holy Spirit unto the obedience of the blood of Jesus Christ. So he instantly reveals to us all three of the Godhead, the Father, the, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And what he wants us to understand, based on what we're talking about here, first he tells us in verse 2 that we're elect. Again, another incredibly interesting word, because the word elect means that we have been selected. We have been chosen. And we have been picked out, how? According to the foreknowledge of God the Father. And he says how you were chosen, how you were picked out, and how you were selected was by the Father's foreknowledge, which is that Greek word, we get the word prognosis. The word prognosis or 
foreknowledge means that the Father literally uh, chose you and selected you in a prearrangement or beforehand or by the forethought or before time. That's literally what he's saying. So he's right. wanting them to know. And why is this important? Why am I even belaboring all this stuff? Because of what we read in, in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12, when he says, don't think it weird that you're going up under this trial, this fiery trial, this, this test that's come upon you. He says, the only way you're going to be able to endure these kinds of tests, and the reason we're talking about this now is because of what we've been talking about for the last few many weeks, you know, what we believe has begun on this planet and what is coming is an intense scrutiny that is turning its attention by the dark forces of this world that will particularly identify the children of God and seek to take them out and, 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 and also, you know, limit our influence in the culture. And he wants them to understand that they have been selected and elected for a particular thing. And this is why he says right off the bat when he starts his letter, right, in verse 1 uh, of chapter 1, he identifies himself as Peter and an apostle of Jesus Christ. It's the flavor and the tone in which he expresses himself that he's, he wants the church to understand something. He didn't call himself Simon. He called himself Peter. He called himself by the name that was given to him so that we could understand, I once was this, but Jesus made me this. Remember, his name was Simon Barjona, but Peter said, you are called Peter. This is what you're going to be, a living stone, a component, an apostle, a foundational stone connected to the chief cornerstone, Jesus Christ, which ultimately is going to result in something marvelous being made and constructed. And so he wants them to understand that. He communicates not as his former self, but as what God identified him as, what Jesus called him. And he's fully, um, what's the right word? He has fully embraced it now. You know, we're reading about a Peter here that's only a few years away from going back to be with the Lord up in heaven, right? So he's a fully grown vessel of the Lord Jesus Christ, a holy apostle now. And he's fully comfortable with what he is, Peter. He's no longer Simon, although he may be known by that. But the truth is, he has reached the point in his spiritual walk with Christ and development by the Holy Spirit, that that's what he calls himself. This is far yeah. deeper than simply identify himself by a name or a nickname or something. It is the osmosis. It is the metamorphosis. It is the change from caterpillar to butterfly. It is the filtering down of the revelation of God that must occur in every single child of God as he grows in his relationship with God so that we are transformed and molded into the image of his dear son. It is that change. And it's so profound what he says he is. It is an anchor for our soul when we become what it is that Christ has made us to be. That's why we went over to Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, where God addresses Jeremiah and says, Look, Jeremiah, the truth of the matter is, is that you were strategically brought into your mother's womb and brought forth for such a time as this. 
and that your destiny, which has its origins in the unseen, in heaven itself, has interjected you into time and space and the material universe because you're part of a great unfolding plan, will, and purpose of the very Godhead itself, of God the Father. Yes. And, and when we understand this, when we come to this metamorphosis of the Spirit, we are no longer what we were. That's why Paul writes things like uh, forgetting those things which are behind me, right? I press toward the mark uh, 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 of that which is before me, and I press toward the mark of what? A high calling, a, a transcendent calling. And, and he says, what else does he say? He says that old things are passing away and all things are becoming new. And the tone of what Peter is writing here and why he addresses himself as Peter is because he's reached this point in his spiritual metamorphosis, his spiritual change. It is the journey of every child of God. We begin to understand when the Lord said, take up your cross and follow me, it gives it a different understanding when we hear what he's saying because the cross was the was the means by which death would be executed right but the resurrection is that which is called a new creation or something yes. born so the old is done away with and the new is realized and it's something that can never be taken from you something that will never ever change it's a new state a new position a fully realized metamorphosis of my old man and becoming the reflection of what God says that I am. And so it's so powerful why he starts his letter with the name Jesus gave him and not the name that his old dad gave him, which he'll reveal mm -hmm. here in a second, right? Any comments yet? <laughs> Are you still thinking? Good. <laughs> okay. Good. <laughs> All right. So he says, I'm Peter. I have become this. And then he goes on and says, I'm an apostle of Jesus. So I've become something that he intended me to be. And now this is my job. I'm an apostle. I'm a sent one. And I'm sent to you, basically, to build the church. But he says it that way because he's trying to tell them, you're a stranger. And you have a purpose. And, and, and our whole walk, especially up under prophetic times, is to quickly discover what that is, but to first identify with what it is God says that I am, which is I am no longer of this world, right? <laughs> but I'm a new creation. I'm a new, right. I'm no longer part of this decaying, defiled, corrupt, fallen universe that was plunged into that condition. Think it not strange, brethren, uh, when, when you fall under uh, various trials and temptations, right? That's what he says. You're up under some right. fiery trial. You're in the crucible of an ongoing uh, military, for lack of a better word, conflict that has been raging for eons. And so he says you need to understand just how unique you really are and the origins of who you are have its origins in before time. You're elect. You're not only a stranger, 
which you're going to need to get familiar with, is basically what he's saying, which is why you no longer, why people think it's weird that you don't act like you used to act and you don't hang where you used to hang and you don't do what you used to do. It's because you're a stranger. You've become a stranger to them because in essence, whether you have fully embraced it or not, you're no longer what you used to be. And you need to allow that to take full control of your life. Kind of like when you empty a glass of water and it's empty, that's kind of what he's trying to say. The, the glass itself is still the body that we live in. The empty glass is the old man that's been poured out. Once I accept Christ, I've, I've poured it all out. I, I've gotten rid of it, and, I'm, and, I, and I need to allow what God wants to pour into me to fill up my, new, my vessel with a new expression of what he's always intended me to be. And so he says, you're elect, right? <laughs> you're elect. You've been chosen. You've been picked out. And, and, you were, and this was done to you in the, in the prearrangement of the Father. In, in, in before time. In other words, this is all under control, <laughs> you know, and he's asking us to come to that understanding. It is a high level that we're talking about here of spiritual development. And, brother and, and it's, yeah, go ahead, please. Somebody help me here. Yes. No, 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 Brother Marty. I just wanted to say this is a very, it's a tremendous teaching because it's lacked. This type of teaching does does not. It's very rare in in the in the circles of of of, of um, Christianity. Yeah. The 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 preachers of today take these very same words and twist them. For mm -hmm. example, they'll use the word apostle as a title, as 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 affirming their authority. Right? Mm. Uh, they'll you know when we speak about elect and God chose us before. How, how is the Christian world ever going to understand this when we're telling them it's your dream, whatever you dream <laughs> is your vision, your purpose? Yeah. Everything is very earthly, very to the natural world, and, mm -hmm. and that's why few people are trying to attain what what Peter is talking about. First of yeah. all, you know he hits him with that we are to the strangers, <laughs> to, to yeah. those who. Who are not of this world, right? He was, I think it was Paul who said, "We are in this world, but we are not of this world." That's right. In 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 thinking, as you were speaking about, in a high, the higher calling, the higher purpose that was. It, it's and and Brother Fernando alluded to that the other day. It's not even your purpose; it's God's purpose upon your life. Yes, that's it's, good. It's seeking what you've been you've been talking in Ephesians. What is the will of God? It's 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 an understanding that while we are in this natural body, we are not of this world. We are seeking, right, for a country. Yeah. We are seeking for the higher things of God. And and my point in saying this is that in in today's gospel, it's very difficult to find teachings like this because they don't exist really. You know, very few, if any, because everything is of this world, natural. Yeah. Of 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 you know. So I just wanted to to bring that out, Brother Marty. Amen. And 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 that's really profound. I'll say this. I'll I'll say this, Brother Marty. Um, I said it yesterday. Um, when you when you begin to listen to these podcasts, the believer has to make the mental adjustment to understand yeah. spiritual things. 
That's good. It's your job to prayerfully enter into these things. We're talking about things, uh, uh, we're talking about the unseen realm, the unseen world, uh, uh, another world, right? And, and, and things that are not of this world, the kingdom of God, right? The spirit, heaven. Heaven is not just a destination. It's a realm, right? We yeah. are in heavenly places right now. Now, that's mm-hmm. where you have to make the mental adjustment to understand what in the world are we talking about? What in the world was Peter talking about? What in the world was Paul talking about? Remember, Paul, talk, uh, we, we had a podcast a few podcasts ago. I think it was on last Friday, actually, on, on the Apostle Paul. They, he, he, he said things like, that I may know him. Right? He wanted to learn of Jesus, and you brought up some great points, how Jesus himself, and Jeremy spoke about it, had to learn obedience as a man. He had to learn his own purpose yes. Yes. as a man. He was fully yes. God, fully man, but yet he became like us. It behooved him right, to become like one of us, and he had to learn who he was and what he was intended to do on the earth that would have spiritual ramifications in the unseen world, in the new world that mm-hmm. was to come. That's what we are looking to. That's where we're headed to. That's where we are in the moment we get saved. We are translated from the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light. Right? So, yes, you right. said something very key, Pastor Jeremy, and I'll leave you with this. This should have been basic teaching in the body of Christ. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and it's so not basic teaching. It is, it is what is being taught concerning what the apostles taught. We've made it earthly and natural, and we become brutish beasts. That's what we become. It, it's unlearned it, the it, things it, of the spirit. Right. right. That, that, that's it, what the apostles said. It, it, yes, it, it's almost like we have to retrain our minds. You get, yeah, you know, exactly when the apostle Paul says. You know, when the Apostle Paul says things like the renewing of your mind, that's not a one-time thing. That's an everything. It's to rethink according to how, like what, what he speaks in Corinthians, having the mind of Christ. Yes. Right? And it's yes. almost like we have to retrain ourselves to think. We're so carnal in our minds. We're so you know, earthly in our minds. When we come to Christ, It's that's what we have to discover is that, the, through the renewing of the mind, through the washing of the word of God, we can begin to think as citizens, not of this earth, but citizens of heaven. So that, that renewal has to be constant to think, to apprehend him, to know him, to think spiritually. Right? That's Yeah, that's really profound. And, yeah. and Actually, all of the, um, go ahead, brother. Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I just wanted I to add, um, it, it's so true what, what you guys are saying because a lot of a lot of churches today are really what they they talk about being purpose driven, right? And finding your purpose. But if you notice <laughs> yeah. if you notice right. the the apostles like Paul, when he talks about finding purpose, he always says his purpose, as in God's purpose or God's will, right? Like that verse in Romans twelve two when it says, be not conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And he says, you need to do that so that you can prove 
the purpose and the perfect will, not yours will, but of God, right? And and it, it goes so true to what you're saying because once we get past looking at Christianity just just on how we can benefit from it, that's when we can go deeper with God because now we understand that it's not about us, that it's all about God and it's all about what the Lord wants us to do. And once we just look past the fact that, you know, it's so much more than just being blessed on this earth, right? But um, yeah. like Paul would tell the church in Colossians, like set your affections on things above. Like don't look at the material realm because this is all going to fade away. But if you put your investment in, in something that's eternal, it's going to last forever, you know? And I feel like a lot of Christians really do need to be retrained because they see the Bible and they see the word and the purpose of God just through their own humanity and just through what, what can benefit them mm-hmm. in the now. But there, there, there comes a, there's a blessing and a far greater blessing than what you can have on earth when you understand the spiritual things behind the word. And when you look at it in a deeper, in a deeper way, right? Like Paul would tell the church in Romans, right? He said, um, for who the Lord foreknew, he predestined, right? To be conformed to the image of his son, right? That mm-hmm. he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And he says, and those he predestined, he called, and who he called, he justified. See, and, and people just, just run to the to the allegorical meaning of, of all this, right? Saying, well, you see, God predestined you to be this, and he's called you from before the foundation. You're going to be great. And it's like, yeah, he did all that, but it's not for your benefit. It's for his glory. <laughs> and it's for him to work for his yeah. purpose through you. You know, and it's like, you think about it like this, like, like, you know how when you see a movie, right, there's all these actors that have different roles? It's right. like this. God God is the main, Jesus is the main attraction, right, the main actor. And all you yeah. have is just a little side part. That's <laughs> all it is. And, and once you yeah. look past that, then the Christian walk just gets deeper because you understand, like, wow, like, yeah. I didn't deserve any of this, but I'm called according to the purpose of God. Like, he wanted me from the beginning. And when you yeah. see the Bible like that, I think it just opens up a whole new world for you, especially in the spirit realm. And you begin to see things and you begin to really put on the mind of Christ. And you and you see that, that there's deeper meaning and there's deeper purpose in things than just the superficial. Um, I just wanted to add that. But, yeah. Oh, that's excellent. And and, and that all three of those things yeah. that you guys are speaking of are, are, are awesome. And, and I, that made me think what Jeremiah was saying there. Um, one thing you said that was really profound, Jeremiah, and a lot of things you said were really cool, is that they see the word through their own humanity. Mm-hmm. That's what you right. said. He says that, that the problem with yeah. many in in what is purported to be Christianity <clears throat> is that many that are sitting in the churches and the pastors that are preaching the word, they preach it from the perspective of, of humanity and not heaven or not the deity of Christ, or not God being God, right? I mean, so we, we, we approach the word from the perspective that, that it's all about my destiny, my desires, my this and that and the other. But what you're right. talking about, what all three of you are talking about, is exactly what Peter's trying to do, what the apostles have been trying to do. And let's look at this real quick over there in uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, because it's exactly what you're talking about and, and what he's trying to get us to see. Are you there in First Corinthians 2? Yes. Yes. Let's, let's take a look at this because because Paul it, it adds to, to what we're talking about and, and the feeling of what Peter's saying here. 
he says he says that in, in chapter two verse one he says and i brothers when i came to you i didn't come oh. to you with excellency of speech or of wisdom declaring unto you the testimony of god because i didn't want to know anything among you except jesus christ and him crucified so first and foremost and this this scripture has been has been misapplied or misinterpreted by many especially in the in the in the cross movement and in the grace hyper grace movement paul is talking here about what you guys are talking about what he means by i didn't want to have some great theological discussion I didn't want to bring to you the philosophies of the world or even my higher education. Paul was a man of many languages. You know, he, was a, he was a genius. And he said, I determined not to know anything about you or among you except for Jesus Christ and him crucified. What he means by that, and as he goes on to talk, as we're going to see here in a second, is the act of what happened to Jesus on the cross. And, and, and its implications, because the very act of placing the Son of God on the cross and allowing him to experience death for us was designed for many things. One of them we have revealed in the book of Hebrews was that through death, he might destroy him that had the power of death. That is the devil. Are you familiar with that scripture? Hebrews chapter yes. 2, verse, verse 14. And so it's with that feeling that he's expressing here to the Corinthian church, a, a highly evolved Hellenized Gentile culture, you know, that was all into philosophies of, of the Greek philosophers and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And basically he's saying, what I want to know amongst you is what Jesus Christ accomplished in that he, put, he has put all this to death. And, and its implications are far beyond just the collective pseudo-intelligence of the world at large, no matter how sophisticated they are. And he says, beyond that, what's actually being done, and what I want to know is that you have a revelation of what Christ has actually done, in that he has literally done away with a reality of time and space that is decayed corrupted and falling away so i want to know you from that perspective i want to know do you understand what jesus actually did and so he mm. said i was with you in weakness and fear and in much trembling and he says my speech and my preaching wasn't with enticing words of man's wisdom which is so unlike the preachers today right they try to do all these cute little things right he says but i was with you in the demonstration of the spirit and power that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power yes. of God, right? And what is, that? what is the power of God? It's the resurrection. That's what, because yes. <laughs> the resurrection yes. is the declaration that something new has happened. Something profound and marvelous has happened. As Jeremiah was just talking about, be not conformed to the world has the meaning the word conform literally means don't let the the present judged and decaying cosmos reality as we know it including upon this planet don't be molded and fashioned after that world because it's passing away 
but be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ because he is, in essence, as the Bible declares, the beginning of a new creation. He's the beginning yes. of the creation of God. So that your yes. faith won't stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of the resurrection, the power of God. And then he says this, Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the mm -hmm. wisdom of this world, nor of the mm. princes of this world, which come to nothing, referencing the unseen world, really. But listen, we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. It's the hidden yes. wisdom. It's hidden. Yes. And it was ordained before the world unto our glory. And he says this, hidden from the devil, not just the princes of, of, of royalty, the royal houses of mankind, but he says in referencing the devil, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against what? But against principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness of this world. He says, had which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would never have crucified the Lord of glory. Why? Because it sealed their fate. And then he says this, as it is written, eye has not seen, ear has not heard neither has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. That's what Jeremiah was talking about. You cannot acquire what we're talking about and what, Fernando, you mentioned earlier, Brother Jeremy. We cannot acquire what God is revealing by, by natural means, by the five physical sense world or any educational process you might go through apart from the spirit. It's hidden. It hasn't entered into you that way. But God reveals them unto us. How? By his spirit. Because right. the spirit the spirit searches all things, the deep things of God. And in verse 12, he says, we haven't received the spirit of the world. Right. Because that's what, that's what Peter went on to say, right? You were elect according to the foreknowledge of God through what? Sanctification of the spirit. And so here he says, you haven't received the spirit of the cosmos, which is the devil. <laughs> you haven't received right, yeah. that, but you have received the spirit, which is of God. Why? So that we can know the things that are freely given to us of God. Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom is teaching us, but which the Holy Spirit is teaching us, comparing spiritual things with spiritual for the natural man doesn't receive the things of the Spirit of God. They're stupid to him. They're foolishness to him. And he can't even know them. Why? Because they are spiritually discerned. So that's what we're talking right. about here. And, and what you guys so said it, 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 so beautifully, all three of you, because that is exactly what, what Peter is trying to reveal here to us. And, and, and that's why he, he, he tries to elevate our thinking when he wants us to understand I'll, that we are, say, we are the elect, the right? No, go ahead. go ahead. No, I'll say this. All those things that the Apostle Paul wrote to the Church of Corinth concerning, uh, you know, the spiritual things were things he could not teach them. That's right. That's right. Because they were so carnal. Exactly. Think about that. He wanted to teach them at that level, but he could not. Could not. And this is what we're intending to do right now. So this may just drop, you know, on the floor, and you know, drop in the ears of people. If they hear it, they don't understand it. 
They're carnal, right? They don't they don't hear by the spirit. Now you have the comparison. You have the comparison of the Church of Corinth and and the Church of Colossians and Ephesians. Look at the difference of how Paul spoke to them, the yeah. levels in which he spoke. So this is again, this is what's taking place in the modern day church, that they're yes. unable to bear these spiritual things, and they're very much like the Church of Corinth, the modern day church. Right? And even yeah. the, and even the. And even the Lord said that it, it, at the Last Supper, you know, it, it, we start to get a better, you know, sense of what he and the import of what he was saying when he said, look, it's better for you guys that I go away. Something better mm-hmm. is coming for you, because right now you have me as one single individual person in your midst. And, and I interact with you all, uh, you know, and, and, and you're dependent on me in this in this natural state. But if I go away, yeah, I'm yeah. Going to, right? I'm going to, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you because he he also told them at the Last Supper, right? I have so many things I want to tell you, but you can't receive them now. Share them, yeah. Right? You need the Holy Spirit, and so yeah. he's implying that there is what Paul talked about—the hidden wisdom that can only come, like we started out talking about. If we understand it from the perspective of, like Jeremiah said, from from heaven and what you said, the the re, the realm of heaven, the okay. the real tangible realm of heaven, and with that in mind, it also implies that something incredible is happening, something marvelous is happening. You know, brothers, I have been seeking God, and I know that you do too uh, in these ways. Over the lack of my ability to really describe what it is that he places in our hearts, and we've all experienced this, there'll be times where suddenly everything that, I mean, there'll be times where we see things that God is saying in a moment, like a flash, like a lightning, like a a spark, a, a moment of clarity, and we understand all of a sudden. It's one of those incredible moments where where we're transcended, lifted out of our our natural state into the realm where all things are clear and possible and obvious, and then it it's it's as if it it everything in the course of this world and our daily activity steals that from us, and and we go back to not necessarily being a sinner, but simply living at a lower level of what it is that we're being called to elevate our understanding into so that we will have the ability to endure because the ability to endure in time and space and in our everyday life can only be realized from the eternal perspective that we are eternal, that we have always been within the heart of God and that it has always been his intent to bring about children created in the likeness of his dear son and 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 enlarge the family of heaven uniquely so a class of creatures separated from all creatures that exist known as the sons and the daughters of the most high god redeemed and rescued by his dear son and and peter is trying to communicate that and say you're up under some heavy persecution nero's on the throne the church is being chased all over the place but understand it's because you're you're a foreigner in a foreign land in essence you are 
a missionary, a mercenary for God. And so he says things like arm your mind with the mind of Christ and yes. partake of his sufferings and, and cease from sin. Understand you're selected, you're chosen, you're picked out. And this has its origins in before time ever began. And he says, yes. it was the forethought, the originator. Look at verse 2 of chapter 1, Peter, chapter 1, verse 2, and we'll hurry here. But he says, so you're, so you're elect. It was done according to the knowledge of God. That's Elohim. Uh, Elohim the Father. And so he, he begins with the Father. It is the plan, the purpose of the Father. It's such an interesting word, Father, because it, he wants us to understand him as our parent. Mm-hmm. Just, just as you, if you, those of you who have children or gra- or grandchildren or whatever, you, or, or 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 even from the perspective of son and father, you know what it is to to have an offspring, and he wants us to understand we are the offspring of God, we are the yes. offspring of the Father. He has intended for you to be. Unlike Jesus, we have a beginning, and that's what. But but nonetheless, it's a beginning that was determined by your Father in heaven, the originator. That's what it means, the creator, the originator of all things. He is your father, and he selected you before time. That's right. And that you have a purpose not to go start a 7-Eleven and make a million dollars. I mean, whatever. (laughs) Although maybe he might tell you to go start a 7-Eleven. I don't know. Whatever it may be. (laughs) Whatever it is that he leads you to do, do that, right? But he doesn't want you to understand it from that perspective. He wants us to understand in the context of what's coming, because every generation has had its place of purpose in the, in the unfolding plan of the will of God. Turn over real quick and, and, and we'll close here in a, in a second. Cause obviously <laughs> we can't we can't talk about this in a matter of an hour, but but so maybe the Lord. But so Marty, after we finish this, uh, after we quote the scripture, you're gonna do. I'd like to comment something, but I don't want you to lose your thought on what you're yes, gonna say right now. Go over to the Book of Philippians in light of what we're talking about, and then I'll, and then I'll let you uh, say what the Lord put on your heart there, brother Jeremy. I'm looking Man. for Ephesians, Philippians. Are you there? Yes. Yeah. Let's see. I think it's Philippians. Let's see. Somebody help me out here. Is it Philippians? Or is it Colossians? Which, what, what, what are you uh, quoting? Okay, it's Colossians. I'm sorry. Colossians, Colossians. chapter 1. The next book over. Okay. So th- this is what Paul means when he begins to pray for the, the church. And, and he says, are you there in Colossians chapter 1? Yes. He says, for this cause, we also, since the day we heard of it, that is, since the day we heard you got saved, he says, we do not cease to pray for you and to desire. And like you were saying earlier, Brother Jeremy, this is very little even, and all of you were saying, this is not even remotely where we are in the modern Western church. But look at how Paul starts praying for born-again believers in verse 9. As soon as I heard you got saved, he said, this is how I start praying for you. And I don't cease to pray for you. 
that and to desire what that you might be filled yes with the knowledge of his, of will. his will how in all wisdom and spiritual understanding why so that you can walk worthy of the lord and please him being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So he says, as soon as you got saved, the first thing I started to pray about is that you would begin to receive a revelation of the knowledge of what the creator is actually doing and what existence is all about. His will, what he has determined, and what he is working out in this marvelous thing called life, consciousness, being, heaven and earth. Go ahead, Brother Jeremy. That's powerful. You know, um, I, I was thinking it just doesn't leave my spirit. That's why I feel like I I, I need to share it. Uh, what what you read in First Corinthians chapter two, verse two, where he says, "For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ." And him crucified and um i see it now that paul wasn't trying to make a doctrine of, out of that statement but really what he was doing he was calling into question like saying before we can go into the deeper things of god i need to know that you are conformed to his death yeah. You know, what, what he said in, in, in Philippians, you know, what, what you've been teaching, Brother Marty, in, in chapter 4, where where he uh, uh, speaks about, um, right here, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. And he says, eventually, so that we, we are being made conformable unto his death, because then we can go into the deeper things of God. So, you know, that's part of the, the thing that's happened. We made this a doctrinal statement. And while it is doctrine, Paul wasn't trying to make a doctrinal statement. He was just calling into question before we can go into those deep things of knowing yeah. the deeper things of God. You need to be, I need to know that you are conformed unto his death. And and I just, you know, wanted to say that because he was really... Oh, go ahead. Finish, finish the thought. No, no, go ahead. No, that's what I was going to say. I just, you know, uh, that's what I wanted to comment on that right there. He was basically saying we need to come back to basics, you know, <laughs> and, and, and to call the cross basic teaching. We're not saying that the act was basic. No. Right. It was demeaning it. Took. But right. as far as teaching and doctrine in the church, these are these are fundamental truths that the whole body of Christ to ha uh, should have in common. And we're divided on basic fundamental truths as the body of Christ. And because mm -hmm. of that, we're unable to go into the deeper things of God that we are talking about right now. And we've made the basic fundamental of the truth the end of all things in the gospel. And we never right. can go forward into the resurrection, resurrection life, a new life, yeah. new world. Yes. The cross did away with the old man and the old world. In the old world, that's yes. good. That's, that's, that's good. Really the resurrection gave life to a new creation, 
a new go. world, new heavens, a new earth. We have to understand that the cross is just the beginning. Yes. We are headed somewhere. Yes. Yeah. Open the door. His body on the cross became a veil by which we now enter into something else, something new, as Hebrew says. And and it's so profound. You know, yeah, and it's so profound when you when you think about it, right? Because as Brother Jeremy was teaching the other day about uh, being found in the form of a fashion of a man, right? When you were talking about earlier, Brother Fernando, about how he he had to come to his awareness as a man uh, to right. what it was his mission was, though he was God, right? He humbled himself being found in the fashion of a man. It's as if he grew into his consciousness, and it's for lack, I'm not being new age here. I'm just saying when he went on lying with his manhood, I don't know how else to say it. It's a very difficult thing to describe because he's always been God. He's, he's, he has no beginning or ending, but he wrapped himself. The word became flesh. He wrapped himself in the elements and substance of all creation, mm. of everything material, he took it upon himself in the likeness, he said, of sinful flesh. But when we view flesh, we view it as individual people or bodies. That's not what he means. When he says the likeness of sinful flesh, he's referring to the whole of material creation, as vast as it is. Because it, it was plunged into darkness. It was plunged into a state of defilement and decay by that wicked one in the, in the ageless past. And so when he took upon himself the form of a man, in essence, he also took upon himself all the substance of, of, of the fallen world upon himself. And he humbled himself and became obedient to the will of the Father. And because he was perfect and never transgressed the will of the Father, he became the sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. And, 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 and in so doing also, he became the, the creator of children. Mm -hmm. and, and, and put to death the penalty see the redemption of all things was determined by what jesus did and it is far more profoundly expansive even though it's profound that each individual has a right to be saved and born again that, that I, I mean that could take forever to describe that but it's far more expansive in wisdom and spiritual understanding understanding the knowledge of his will and what he was doing because the bible says that god himself was in christ reconciling the world the cosmos everything unto himself wow. to yeah. reconcile means that something was broken and there, yes. and this is where people have a hard time understanding because when God does something, it has to be perfectly symmetrical. It has to be perfectly balanced. He has established perfected boundaries, habitations, laws, mm -hmm. the way things function, 
Of course he could go outside of them and do it any way he wants to, but he has chosen to do it this way so that when it's done, it's done in perfection and perfect symmetry. And and only he, that's why he he redeemed us, the Bible said. And that's what Peter goes on to say. We'll talk a little bit more about that on Monday, Lord willing, if it's the Lord's will. But let, let's finish this up. Look, he says in verse 2 of chapter 1, verse 2, First Peter. Now we understand. Notice what he says here. Like we talked about, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. What does that mean? I'm, I, I, we talked about the metamorphosis of the man. We have a fully changed and developed vessel of the living God. He is functioning as what God made him to be. He then identifies his mission so that we can identify with his process and what God did to him so that we can understand ourselves from the same perspective as him. And who better to write about fiery trials and don't think it's strange than the one who was under the greatest scrutiny when he ran out of the garden when, and failed the Lord, denying him three times. He has a perspective of understanding that is so unique to all the apostles, with the exception of maybe the apostle Paul who persecuted the church, right? But he didn't walk with Jesus. Peter did. And so he wants us to understand the conflict. Don't think it's strange. He understands it post-failure, cleansing, deliverance, and fully grown up and understanding what God is saying. And so he identifies himself with his mission, the apostle of Jesus Christ. He, he talks about, I am sent to preach his gospel, the resurrected Lord. And, and you all, that is us, he says, need to understand just like me, you too were selected. Remember what Jesus said to them? You didn't choose me. Right. <laughs> I chose right. you. Right? That's why he yeah. uses this kind of phrase. He says, uh, don't think you chose God. I got saved. No, God saved you. <laughs> right? Yes. I found God. Right. Oh, God found no. you, man. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> That's what he's saying. And, and he's, using the, he's using the words of the master, right, to talk to us, you know. You are not of this world, even as I'm not of, they are not of this world. When he was praying in John chapter 17, that great prayer that Jesus prayed, he tells his father, they are not of the world, just like I'm not of the world. He tells, Peter is talking like Jesus. He says, you're strangers, right? You're not of this world. He's, he's just, he's being Jesus, man. <laughs> he's being Jesus. Right. So he says, look, just as God has chose you, you didn't choose God, and you were chosen before time ever began, For and you need to understand that as I came to understand that, Peter says, so that you can you can know the next thing. How you are elect and how you were picked out occurred by sanctification of the spirit. That means uh -huh. the very residence. It is the spirit that sought you out. Oh, my God, we could be here for like yes, six Lord. months. I mean, because that's what he's saying. <laughs> he's saying the wind of the spirit, the presence Hallelujah. of the spirit sought you yeah. out. And when he found you, it, it it was a miracle. It consecrated you and it purified. Remember, he's not talking uh, the path of salvation. He's talking after salvation. Because that's, that's right. why he mentions, I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ. I'm preaching the gospel to you. I, you're already saved, right? But now you need to understand something else. 
you're elect, you were selected, and, and the Spirit sought you out and sanctified you. In other words, his very essence caused you to become purified, and you are in an absolute state of consecration, to be separated unto a holy purpose, unto something so marvelous is what he's saying. And he says, once the Spirit separated you, he said it was for a purpose, that is, unto obedience and the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. That word obedience means, and, and what's so cool the way he uses that word, because the word obedience means to become one who can hear attentively. In other words, someone who is ready uh, and, and, and listening hard for any command, for what is yeah. believed uh, for, for what is being revealed, the mystery of the will of God. He says, the, and, and notice how he puts the spirit before the obedience. Because the word obedience means to hear correctly, like one who's waiting at the door when someone's knocking. That's literally what it means, waiting to open that door. And, he's, and, and so the spirit had to come to us so that we could hear attentively. And that's why he says, you were consecrated and are in a state of absolute purity to the end that you can now hear because the Spirit is with you. So God selected you, ordained you to be before the foundation of the world. He sends his Spirit to you after the gospel of Jesus, after you're saved, you're filled with the Spirit, so that you can become an attentive hearer of a higher voice, of an undefinable echo of a loud voice that is now got a hold of you like like it did on the uh, on the road to Damascus to Paul knocking him off his horse Paul Paul why do you Saul why do you persecute me I mean it's that kind of voice Peter goes on to say we heard his voice from the excellent glory we were eyewitnesses of we heard this kind of voice that's what he's talking about here is that i've sent the spirit to purify you to consecrate you unto a holy purpose the spirit had to come after you received the gospel so you could be obedient that is become an attentive listener to the plan the purpose and the unfolding will of god as you have now taken your place in line with the great congregation of the saints and children of the Most High God throughout all the ages and going forward. He says, unto obedience, and then he references Moses when he says, the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. He says, be an attentive hearer and understand. He's not talking about the Passover Jesus. He's talking about the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, which is what was accomplished in type, when Moses sprinkled the vessels of the tabernacle and the people with the blood, remember? That's yes. what he's referring to. Because he goes on to start calling us living stones. He identifies his own self as Peter, the rock, the stone, a component in a constructive process. Something's being built. And, and you... And, and you need to be an attentive hearer to that and understand that when Jesus rose from the dead, that he sprinkled the heavens and, and made a way for this new construction process to begin. All things were made by him. And without him, nothing was made that was made. He is before all things. And by him, everything is held together. That's what he's saying. And you are now a lively stone a little stone 
in a massive construction project that has its origins before time. And so he says, grace to you and peace be multiplied. That word grace is very important because he's literally saying the divine influence upon your heart and the reflection of that influence in your life, based on what I've just been talking to you about, it needs to be multiplied. In other words, that's your task now. Let it grow to such an extent that you're no longer Simon, but you're Peter, right? And that says you're no longer what you used to be. You're what he says you are. Let it grow. Let it multiply. Let him take you beyond what you've ever known. Let him multiply. And, and, and in so doing, that peace, that uh, irene is the word in the Greek he uses, that peace, it literally means to be set back together again, to be set at one, and to experience a state of national tranquility and an exemption from the rage and the havoc of war. That war you've been experiencing all that all your life, that 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 turmoil, that anxiety, that that depression, whatever that addiction, all of that, you know, it could be put preached right there, right? But he's saying yeah. through this kind of a revelation by the Spirit, he's telling us God will put you back together. All the component pieces of what you were always meant to be will be assembled by this knowledge that he's depositing into you by his spirit as you attentively hear like someone at a door waiting for his knock so you can open it immediately and you will subsist and exist within this crazy world while you're waiting for the culmination of all things in an absolute state of tranquility and national peace because you belong to a different nation now the nation god. of god hallelujah yes. glory to god Praise God. It is the knowledge of what the Lord, our Father, the Holy Spirit has done. It's the knowledge of what he's done through Jesus Christ that we're part of a new tabernacle, a lively hope. That's what he goes on to say. That's why he, by the time he gets to verse 3, he's just oozing with, <laughs> with the anointing <laughs> as he's speaking, right? He says, blessed be the God and Father of our Hallelujah. Lord. Hallelujah. Right? Holy That's what he's God. saying. Holy he says, God. what? which according to his abundant compassion has begotten us again unto a living hope. How? By the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Glory to God. <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. This is how he took a fisherman and turned him into a guy that could talk like that. That's incredible. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yes. Glory All right. to That's God. A, <laughs> That's the first two and a half verses, and I think we should stop right there, because what he goes on to say from this point, we'll just, if you got straight hair, it'll curl it. <laughs> I mean, if you got a wig, it'll come out. It'll fall off. Yeah. It'll fall off. It'll fall off. Child of God, we are called to something so marvelous. Hallelujah. So Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Praise God. Praise That's God. why he goes on to say it's joy unspeakable. That's what he said. I can't even full talk about how joyful it is. And it's full of glory, and the half has never been told. My God. Glory to God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I don't know what else to say. Just join us on Monday. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Brothers, stay so close. Hallelujah. 
you know what a what a powerful way to end this week with so much substance. Are you listening? Those that are listening, our listeners, there's a lot of substance here. And what I take away a lot of things, what has been said today is, I, I believe the Spirit is saying we need to become more aware. Praise God. And and of these things, and it's almost, it is what it's saying. It's, it's training your mind to understand spiritual things. Don't right. listen to all the hoopla you hear outside, training your mind to, to think positive. That's not going to get you anywhere. I'm talking about training your mind to understand spiritual things, who you really are in Christ. What is his very purpose for us? And, and, and I think we, we need to become, you know, and I like that. You have to become more conscious and understand who we are. This is what this walk is about. We cannot stay in the principles of the Bible. We must move forward. That's what chapter 6 of the book of Hebrews says, right? You know, we must pursue those things. And I think there's a lot of substance here. And, and take time to, to listen to it again and let the Spirit of God uh, talk to you this weekend. We pray that you have a blessed weekend this weekend, and we hope to see you back with us on Monday. We pray that you have been blessed. Continue to share these podcasts, and may God bless you. We love you, and keep looking up.